folks were here last week for the choir's performance of They Called Her Moses. Raise your hand if you were here. Was that a magnificent worship service or what? I thank you, choir, so much for last week. I knew it was going to be superb, and I invited a couple friends. I don't think any of them came. But they knew they were warmly invited, and for me, it was uh, just a transformative time to hear this life story of Harriet Tubman, one of the greatest American heroes in the music. I, I was deeply saddened once again by our history. I was moved to tears. I was reminded of the tremendous resiliency of the human spirit, and I was given a lot of courage to live my life, and um, this is why we come to worship, to be lifted up out of our ordinary lives to something better, and, and last week did that, and I told a lot of folks about my opinion and experience in worship last week, friends outside the church as well, and I do that for a couple reasons. One, I want to share about me, you know, with my, this is a way for my friends to get to know me, to talk about my relationship with my church but also want them to know about our community and that they're warmly welcome to come here. And this can open up the door to other kinds of conversations. I believe very clearly that many folks in our society have a longing to talk about spiritual topics or important topics in their lives. And too often folks don't find that opportunity to go deep and a safe and respectful relationship. This month's spiritual theme is curiosity, and so within that context, I, I asked folks to have conversations with people they know who are not a part of this church or are not a part of a religious or spiritual community and ask, uh, you know, why don't you come? Uh, and what, what do you do to find meaning or purpose in your life? If the folks have known about our church or, or checked it out, I, you know, ask, what do you f find of interest or meaningful here? And was there anything that's a turnoff? Is there anything that's keeping you away? And, and maybe out of that, we can make some changes and grow and improve. So going into this effort, I knew a couple things. I knew that I did not have the best questions. I felt that I just didn't get it framed up right. And the way I generically framed it came off a bit aggressive to some people. And I, I just couldn't fix it ahead of time. I, I saw that coming. But I knew there wasn't too much danger in that because our religion does not profess to be the only way to salvation or happiness or health. We know there are many ways to configure a life of wholeness, peace, and love. And I think that always comes through when people get to know us and how we look at the world. I didn't have the best questions, but what I was trying to do was set up situations where our people can show interest in the spiritual life of friends, neighbors, and coworkers. Because I believe that when we do establish that interest, by inviting folks to come by or, or finding a way to set, set a situation to talk about something of importance, then the conversations just kind of flow on their own. 
A couple of years ago, I was very lucky to be with five good friends in Peru, and we went on a four-day hike on the Machu Picchu Trail. My friend Jane at the time was going through some hard times, a lot of life changes, and she said she was seriously pondering religion. She said, you know, I really think I'm a Unitarian Universalist. I said, that's great. Why, you know, why do you think that? She'd been reading a lot on feminist theology, liberation theology, and she knew a decent amount about Unitarian Universalism and accurately understood that that is right at home with us. And she knew we were taking important stands on some social issues she cared about. So I say, well, you know, you're, she lives in the D.C. area. You're always welcome to check out a Unitarian Universalist congregation. Yeah, she said, I know, but I don't know why I don't go. I just don't go. And I say, yeah, you know, that's, that's fine. That's interesting. Maybe we get to a place to find out more. But uh, she asked me what I think about God. And I said, I think God is love and love is God. And I use both words interchangeably. I think it's a force in the universe which is greater than certainly any one individual of us. And when we open up and tap into and channel that energy of love and the divine that we're better able to find joy and peace in our own lives and we're better able to bring blessings and healings to others, and that when we close off from that energy, we're more susceptible to jealousy selfishness, narrow thinking, other problems. So we talked and asked each other questions, and Jane still does not go to UU Church, which is totally fine. I, I, my only hope for her is that she finds purpose in her life and feels peace and connected to something healthy and whole. Well, that was, you know, four days up in the Andes, away from everything in our regular lives, but we all know that these opportunities for meaningful conversations come up all the time. They come up for me after yoga class at the gym or in the locker room at the gym. They come up for me, Kristen and I are connected to a new parents group, a community of parents with little peewee children. And we, there, there are, stuff comes up. Um, and and I, I appreciate you all have been engaging in this. You've been emailing me and calling me and talking to me during Coffee Hour about your experience with taking on the assignment and talking to folks uh, in, in your lives. You've been having these conversations on long walks with your neighbors and friends over coffee, over a glass of wine, watching your daughter's basketball game. There's... Um, there's a question in this movie that I love, Juno, this wonderful flick. If you haven't seen it, this high school girl is pregnant, and she's really trying to discern what to do and how, how to live her life going forward, and she's making a couple new friends. Friendships are complicated. I won't get into that. But she's, she, at one point, she stops, and she asks this great question. Does love ever really last forever? Can you, rate, can you commit to raising a kid with anybody knowing that love is going to ever really last forever? Great question. Great question. And, and she needed a safe, respectful environment to ask that. Um, in, in all these 
environments and conversations at some level, I think what we're all helping each other think through, what should I be doing with my life right now, given my experience, my current context, knowing who I am and the possibilities? How should I live a life of purpose? Well, opening the door to these conversations can be risky. It can be awkward. Uh, in the ministry, those of us in the ministry know that um, sort of saying I'm a minister sets it up for, oh, this must be the guy who likes to have the serious conversations. And it, it took me years out of seminary to not have an awkward, nervous laugh when I would tell people I'm a, I'm a minister because this whole relationship's going to change now. You know, okay, there we go. See you later. Um, but when, when folks know that you're someone who likes to talk about spiritual growth or theology or so, bringing social justice to a broken, unfair world, you know, the relationships are, are going to change, and sometimes for the better, and sometimes they're, they're not going to go anywhere. We make mistakes. We say the wrong things. A lot of Unitarian Universalists, I've, I've heard some shape like this. I know you're going through a hard time right now. I'm thinking of you, and I'm going to church tomorrow, and we're going to pray for you, even though we don't really believe in that kind of petitionary prayer. You know, it takes some time to get to know where we're coming from in our hearts. Some of us do believe in that kind of petitionary prayer. Um, we, when we get into spiritual friendships we, that are deep and meaningful, we exclude when we're trying to include. When we're trying to help somebody on their path, we hurt feelings, and then our feelings get hurt. You know, we didn't say what we meant. But nothing ventured, nothing gained, I say, and this is what it's all about in our society today, having real meaningful friendships. If you're doing this, you have a great start on living a good life. When we listen to others, we can learn about them and about life. And let's be honest, many of us have some really cool friends outside of church, outside of any kind of religious community. We know and admire real people who live real lives, who create beauty, have nothing to do with church. We know folks who help others, heal others, have nothing to do with religious life. Deeply passionate folks about life, folks who are fun to be with. They don't, they don't, a lot of them don't have anything to do with religion. And there is nothing inconsistent about that fact with what we profess in this church. There are many paths to enlightenment, many paths to constructing a good life. This week I, I did my own assignment. I called one of my best buddies. So why, why don't you guys go to church? He said he and his wife have many other positive activities and relationships in their lives. Some of my friends have no religious background or experience, and they say they don't miss it. And, and I'm moved to hear this when people trust me because, you know, I have the extra, uh, you know, layer in the conversations with people. But I'm interested in this. How, how do you find enlightenment and fulfillment in your life without a religious community? And often when I'm listening to them, then they get curious and ask me, and I say, I love my church with all my heart. I love my faith tradition with all my heart. I'm extremely grateful to be in it and to be committed to it. And I really don't believe that I could be as happy or find as much fulfillment, find as much salvation, in my words, without it. 
I, that just, I, I could live a life without a church. It would not kill me. But I think I would have more pain, more suffering, I would have less fulfillment, and I would help people less. And I would be a lot less pleasant to be around. Now, some of the folks who you were talking to and sharing the feedback who've checked out our congregation, they have found lots of impressive things. They've found worship inspirational and moving. They love Dr. King Day of Service where we're out with different partners helping Northwest Philly be a better place. But they just say it's just not a fit for them. And some have said, in your feedback, that they continue to wrestle with previous religious ideas about a punishing God, and they simply can't disassociate these ideas with the church, the church universal, perhaps, in their mind. Some feel that formal organized religion has too much danger of turning people into arrogant hypocrites, and we've all seen that in our society, keeping it real. Some feel that Unitarian Universalism doesn't have enough of a clearly identified core. And I agree that's an area we need to grow and improve. But in our conversations that you've been sharing with me, we've also found that these types of objections and pains manifest, when, when they manifest within caring and non-judgmental listening, the conversations often shift towards the creation of beauty, the creation of spirituality of art, love, courage, and hope, finding purpose in life. We, and now when we're having these conversations with folks, we don't create the spark in the other person. It's not the religious person coming and saying, we've got it for you. No, there's something bigger going on spiritually here. They already have a spark, and we're hopefully creating a caring, respectful environment to protect their flame, maybe making a little alcove where their flame can grow larger and brighter, and they're doing the same for us. We hunger for these kinds of conversations. Brian McLaren says that when we listen, smile, care, and serve others, then we can earn the right to be a spiritual friend. This is contrary to just coming in and saying, we're going to resolve your problem and fix it because... I'll tell you what my minister says you should do, which I know a lot of you guys use that line, <laughs> quoting me left and right. The blessings multiply in many directions we're in these conversations. And then they become curious about us. If you, if you're in, if you set yourself up as showing them your heart, don't do it like this, don't do it like this, but show them your heart. Okay? And... Um, we, we say, I say, I come here to find meaning and purpose in my life. I come here to celebrate life and be inspired like I was last week with the life and music of Harriet Tubman. We come here to support each other in trying to live the most full, vibrant life possible. Here's an example. Recent studies confirm details on how empathy is developed through both nature and nurture true that children enter the world with different capacities for empathy, but no matter where people start, they can improve with help. A psychologist, Dr. Carolyn Zahn-Waxler, said parents need to be models of all 
altruism, compassion, and caring. It's not enough to talk the talk. You have to do it. You need to show caring behavior towards your children and the other people you interact. Your kid's going to pick it up if you're just talking and then being mean-spirited. This is part of what our teachers do with our children in church. This is part of why we come to raise our children in a spiritual home. And this is what we all do with our children here in the church. But these things are not just for the children, right? We come to the church so that we can learn about our capacity for empathy. We I, I, I expand my capacities for empathies by witnessing you, the people of this church, first of all, engaged in acts of kindness I see all the time, which move me beyond words. We do this by studying the Bible and other sacred texts. We do this by listening to sacred music. But we also do this by watching each other. And I, I don't often brag about our people, but I just want to quickly name two people who I look at and see how they're putting empathy into action in the broader world as a Unitarian Universalist. Howard Silver is a businessman here in the area. He works with the church. He's a member of the church. Works, he doesn't talk about it much, but he's out doing good works, helping develop low-income housing for folks who are struggling so that they can get into an independent life and have a house that they can afford. Jim Ballingy is a teacher in a high school. Hours and hours of work every month helping students get into service learning so they can learn about people of other cultures, grow and learn that helping others gives you joy and fulfillment. That's the mission of Jim Ballingy's life. You're not doing it here in the church every day, but he's one of us living out this mission of empathy out there. You see, I am spiritual and religious, and I wouldn't be very good at being the former without the latter. I benefit greatly from being a member of this Unitarian Universalist community where people help each other realize our potential in the spiritual practice of generosity. Right here in this church, I've learned more deeply than ever that when I give my money when Kristen and I give our money to help a cause, yep, we hopefully help the cause, but more importantly, I help myself. I feel better about my self-esteem and my purpose in life. I sleep better, and I feel better about Kent being Kent. I learned that right here. As we strive to grow spiritually, we know that we are not stuck in the Unitarian Society of Germantown. You don't have to be on the campus 24-7. We deeply cherish this spiritual center partly because it empowers us to live good lives beyond the parish walls, outside of the worship time. With kindness and curiosity, we explore life. We go to music recitals in the neighborhoods. We go to school plays. We go trips down the shore. We go to the Wilma Theater. We go to a friend's house to watch the Olympics. Our faith helps us to be caring, good neighbors who like to have a good time and bring blessings to others. We like to bring blessings. By listening and sharing to friends, it's really similar to listening to great music. In, in these spiritual friendships, we find order, rhythm, and patterns in the world by showing interest in others, we gain freedom, beauty, and power.
Blessings be to you. Amen.